0: All right, well, welcome back to another episode of The Vast Files. Today, I'm lucky enough to have a good friend of mine sitting across the table from us. And when I sat down through the week and thought about our upcoming chat, I was pretty baffled to really process what he has managed to squeeze into his 36 laps around the sun. (laughs) From the pinnacle of of his sport in the NRL, taking out premierships, representing his country, both Australia and Samoa, to the darkest of lows which saw him attempt to take his own life. He has stepped out of his comfort zone, played footy around the world, also gone from the field to the boxing ring, and now he's uh, using his profile for some uh, for some great things with mental health awareness, suicide prevention, and also helping out with some mentorship roles in the NRL. Uh, the man sitting across the desk from me is Renny Matua.
1: Thanks for coming in, mate. Yes, Rich. Vast files. I hope you're not digging too deep into too many files from when we're going <laughs> up, mate. But... Mate, we're all vast <laughs> up and ready
0: to go deep, mate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me, brother.
0: Mate, stay to have you in, mate. Um, mate, off the bat, you put on the boots last weekend um, with the Legends of League. Yeah. A lot of those boys who ran around in 2004 with a premiership win uh, joined you and you got another win, mate.
1: Yeah, back-to-back champions, um, Legends of the League, it's for the Mark Hughes Foundation which is brain cancer and uh, Matt Hill from uh, Legends of the League has put this together, it was a concept uh, just to raise awareness and, and raise money for brain cancer and last year we had our first event on the Central Coast and it was, it was quite popular, uh, we, we did it just for a bit of fun, um, had 10,000 people there and we ended up winning it so it was a bit of prize money in the end and we thought we'd go again and and you know we will we'll join we'll join we'll most of the competition up saying that we're going back to back and uh funny funny enough we did you know we were losing 14-0 in the final um little Matty Bowen was carving us up and uh, I think fitness played a part in the end not that any of us were fit but the majority of the Canterbury boys keep up with their training and came home with a win trick so it was good to um good to raise awareness and uh, have a good weekend away and see some old faces
0: Mate, and it sounds like an awesome event to get to like when you mentioned some of the other competition and, and who was in the final with you guys you've, you've, you 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 played the broncos in the final
1: no we knocked broncos out in the quarters I, I think and you know they had an australian team yeah they were just a lot older i know, mean, gordon tallis tony carroll scott print wendell sailor lottie Tikiri uh the berrigan brothers so there was a lot of um High-profile players there. It was uh, it was an awesome event, and and my nieces and nephews got to come watch me play. You know, they were all quite young when uh, before I retired, so to have the opportunity to have them there not that I did much, but <laughs> um, it, it was a good event. It was a great weekend. Man,
0: just for fans of the sport to, to go and watch an event like that when you're seeing all those you know, idols, you know, you're growing up watching the game. Um, strap on the boots again and run around. It, it, it sounds like a great concept to raise money for a you know, a great a great cause. Um hopefully it's just on to bigger and you know better things for the for the whole uh you know Legends of the League game and hopefully you can go for three from three next year, eh?
1: Yeah, the three peat is the hashtag. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a great concept and obviously with not having any footy around in, in November it's it gives fans an opportunity to see some older players run around and Still staying in touch with league. It's a nine-a-side event, so it makes it fun. And you know, I'm still in awe of some of the players that I see there, and can't believe that I played against them or played alongside them in in test footy or whatever. But um, yeah, it was, it's a whole lot of fun. A whole lot of fun. And hopefully, it just gets bigger and bigger each year.
0: Talking about footy, still running around on the field was it always footy first and foremost when you're growing up as a kid. Was it was it that- yeah, you, know, you had a goal set, and you wanted to play in the NRL and make a career out of footy.
1: Yeah, it was always it was always footy rich. Um, I started playing when I was four years old, so I, I kind of got pushed into it, probably a little bit harder than uh, most kids do. You know, um, I knew probably oh, well you know, when I was probably eight or nine, where I, I thought well, I started making representative teams that I probably got pushed a little harder by the old man into the game and. Um, yeah, there was nothing else outside of footy at that stage, yeah. you know. Um, you know, they're the best years of your life and you've got nothing to worry about. You go to school and you you put the boots on on the weekends and you run around and have fun with your mates. So it wasn't until probably a bit later when, when I probably met you, Rich, and we started surfing and things like that, where other sort of hobbies came into play. But um, that was probably the, the the only thing that I was talented at. I played a bit of rugby union as well, so... It's always been footy rich
0: yeah right i mean and like you said i remember from a young age before i even met you like i'd heard about about both yourself and your younger brother leading uh you know about being gun footy players and so yeah i could tell you always you know from a very young age would see that there was a potential path there for you and i remember when you know we got to know each other in our early teens and we're hanging out down the beach um you know as you were you know, everyone assumed you were going to make a career out of footy and then all of a sudden you were uh, on the tools Plumbing, you know, you sort of seem to have got the shits with it or, and, um, yeah, mate, picked up the electric eel and, and got elbowed deep. <laughs> um, so it wasn't always just like, yeah, you know, a clear-cut footy straight in the NRL, you know, a, a smooth sailing path into, you now professional footy. You, it didn't go as smooth as a lot of people may, may have thought.
1: No, I'd, I'm not sure if I ever really wanted to be on television or be a rugby league player, Rich. It wasn't like a dream of mine to be an NRL player. Um, I certainly loved the game and, and watched... You know, remember the Raiders running around like Meninga and Daly, and thought, never thought that's what I want to be. It was something that I was talented at, and it was sort of a gateway for me to later, later on in life, to succeed. But yeah, as you mentioned, I it wasn't all smooth sailing. You know, I'm a South junior, and um, the reason I probably gave the game away from under fifteens was I was picked in a South team, and then. A parent complained that I was too young. I was a year younger for that for that particular team, and uh, the coach rang mum up and said, "Look, we're going to sit Rennie out another year because he can uh, he can play next year in this age group." And that sort of turned me off, and I got a little bit bitter, and I thought, you know what, at that point, all I knew was rugby league. I've been playing since I was four years old, and and it was a kick in the guts, and I took it personal, and. and that's probably why I never really signed with South. Like it really affected me. So yeah, I, I gave up footy, stayed in school and then uh ended up plumbing. So it wasn't just rugby league the whole way through. I sat the game I sat out of the game probably for about three years before I realised plumbing wasn't for me and I didn't really <laughs> want to pick through other people's turds. So <laughs> And
0: and the reason why I, like at the time, you kinda I was a little taken back by that decision for you to just you know, take a step back away from the game and you know, jump into a trade was because some of your best mates who you grew up with, Brayton Nasta, John Sutton, your younger brother, Lita Matua, he, he was just playing for the under-18s origin side. at the time. Wales, yeah. So you're surrounded by, by great footy players, you know, up-and-comers, other guys making a real um, you know, drive to succeed in the NRL. You probably being the eldest and maybe you know, the mo- most talented of the bunch, just go. You know, it's not for me. I'm gonna jump on the tools. Like, yeah, it was. Um, it was like a little shock to a lot of your close mates.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for us where we grew up, you know, I think I took more of an interest in starting to surf. I was that footy player that always wanted to be the surfer, but I was just <laughs> not coordinated enough to make a living out of it. And you know, it was it was it was all about chasing girls at that point. Yeah. You know. It, it isn't anymore when you've got a partner, but I mean, it's that's the competitive nature we grew up in. It was like, um, and there's a lot of fun to be had at that age well, too. You exactly, know? Like
0: it's sort of you know you're just going out partying with your mates a little bit, like you said. You just start to chase girls and you know sort of that 15 to 18, you know, mm. stage is so easy to get you know sidetracked by all that fun stuff happening outside of whatever you know you've chosen to really make like whether it be football or surfing or education, whatever it may be. Very easy to yeah, enjoy yeah. that while,
1: while it's there. Well, I ended up in that fork in the road where I could have went down one path and, and chose footy. I mean, plumbing and um, there's nothing wrong with plumbing. It was unreal, but um, it wasn't unreal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at some point I just thought, you know, there's an opportunity here for me to make a living out of something that I'm talent, talented at. Um, you mentioned Braith's name. Leighton was playing Origin. For under 18s and Braith, I, I, it was like a light bulb moment. You know, I was sitting on Luke Dennett's uh, carpet where all the boys were around watching the footy, and Braith was making his um, debut against Manly, and he scored a try and set up like four tries. And I'm sitting had on a the you had a blinder. I'm, I'm sitting on the carpet with a VB throwdown in my hand and thought, you know what, stuff this. I'm going to give footy another crack. So that was pretty much the moment i remember like it was yesterday where i thought i'm going to pick the footy book the footy up again and give it another crack and see where it takes me and um i had a lot of success in my first six years of being a professional footballer and, and it probably was the downfall later on in my career but um certainly wouldn't change anything but it was definitely from 18 to sort of like 24 25 mm-hmm. the ride was unbelievable and, and I, it was like a high that People will never understand, and it was a high that I was chasing for the rest of my career
0: it was a mate, astronomical rise to success for not just yourself but a lot of that team that you know you're kind of touching on there the 2004 doggies premiership side packed full of young superstars to you know, become superstars of the game um, but maybe that that was that little step away those few years away it in hindsight I could have really helped you sort of recharge the battery refocus on, on what it was you wanted to achieve in the game and, and then when you sort of chose to put the boots back on, you sort of went into it with a new appreciation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I tell kids today, I mean, people are so focused on having to achieve things all the way through their teens and that's the pathway to go into playing um, NRL or whatever sort of uh, sport you want to excel in. Uh, so I try and remind kids that, people don't develop the same rate. So you might not be big enough or genetically strong enough until you're 23, but it's not too late. Mm-hmm. Um, as you mentioned, st- stepping away from the game made me appreciate how hard people did work in the real world. Um, and through that period of where I had a lot of success is where I lost that gratitude of um what it meant to be a professional athlete you know i i picked up a lot of bad habits along the way which sort of s- slowly crept back into my life but um yeah it's not it's not kids these days don't have to be pushed that hard to succeed straight away it'll it'll eventually come if you want it bad enough and being um a plumber certainly um helped me focus and not want to go back to plumbing yeah. So that's where, you know, the journey of success really kicked off in Put the things in perspective, in perspective life. And, and, you know, like um, from 18 to 25, like I mentioned, it was just success after success after success. And I wasn't prepared for it, you know. Well, I, I think that few would be prepared for the, the
0: type of success that you experienced uh, at such a young age and, and so soon into your NRL career. And like I said, I mentioned that, that premiership side in 2004, it's a who's who yeah, you had, know, Willie Mason, Sunnyville, Willie Tonga, you had know, Braith, JT in there, all pretty much starting off their NRL careers and straight into a, a premiership win. And the, the amount of notoriety, fame, attention, I guess, money, everything else that comes out of success, to be dumped on those young shoulders, um, so early in your career, don't think, you know, it, it would have been pretty, unknowingly at the time but but it would have been presented a whole heap of challenges like you said later on in your career um but talk us through that that those first few years of your NRL career and and that premiership winning side
1: well the first thing for me was walking through the gates of Belmore, and uh i got picked up by a guy named mark hughes the hughes family is actually uh very well known with the bulldogs and it was a whole nother world you know i'd come through the south rank as as you know and we didn't train like the way these guys trained mm-hmm. and the first person i bumped into was jonathan thurston who was this skinny little kid from queensland he had massive car door ears and he was he was ugly as shit but <laughs> um roy assatasi was in there uh, a guy named glenn hall and th- this was basically a rookie squad so they picked us as there was about six or seven players that potentially could go on to play first grade we were still under 20s but they put us in the reserve grade system now back then the reserve grade system was full of men grown men that played a whole heap of first grade but just couldn't be in the first grade team for whatever whatever reason form injury what um, it was a lot tougher back then so i was thrown in the deep end straight away i started six weeks earlier than everyone else they got me in to do a, a squat test and i was so far off That I had to go in and train for twelve weeks before Christmas because, by the time they started the rest of the squad, they wanted me to be about par of what they could squat, what they could bench. I'd never done weights or anything like that, so that's where you I fully became aware of uh, what it is to be put through a preseason. You know, I went to some pretty dark places um on the row, on the field and really uh, talents just not enough to get you like to cut it at this level now nowhere, You've got to put nowhere, nowhere near enough in. nowhere yeah. near enough um we will put to the test a guy named gary carden who i to this day i'll speak very i speak very highly of him anyway uh i love him to death and i i credit him for my career um he took me to some places mentally that i was um challenged you know Challenge quite 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 far you know and uh, and and all the boys were so he's had a lot of success every I don't know the percentage but I'd say about 80 70 percent of the kids that have come through him have gone on to play at least one first grade game um Jonathan Thurston like we mentioned Sonny Bill um Roy Assetarsi so there was just a few names but you know I played reserve raid that year uh, we went through we won the grand final um, John, John Thurston pretty much carried us through the whole year. He was a freak. we always knew that how good he was. I, he was doing things on the field that I'd never seen before. Um, everyone just thought he was too small. yeah that was a, an achievement within itself. you know first year grand final we're on TV we went to reserve for grand final. Second year was a bit of, uh, a bit of an up and down year It was a bit weird. Um, we made the semis but I, I was on I think I was 18th man once for first grade. And I was still 19 or 20, and I thought, I'm not ready for this. But I was in their sort of, their plans. Yeah. And then 2004 was just freakish what happened. Um, We went into the preseason. I was the 25th player of the squad. So basically, just took that last spot. Um, I was going to be prepared for first grade. Not necessarily play first grade, but... Hang around first grade and see what it's all about. And I didn't say boo back then. You know, I had so much respect for some some of the older players. Uh, Steve Price, it, what comes to mind? Steve Reardon, uh all these guys that I'd seen on television Grimaldi. before. Gr- Grimaldi, yeah. Grimaldi, the Lobster. <laughs> um, you know, there was a stack of players. And round one, I actually trialed against Canberra and the Dragons, and I came up against. They put me in the centres against Matt Cooper. You know, New South Wales Centre Australian Centre, and I held my own against Mixed him. Martial arts enthusiast, yeah. <laughs> he loves his MMA, doesn't he? <laughs> I don't think he's had a fight yet, but he's he's threatened to fight a few times. Gallon, I think, is he's, he's called out. Yeah, so Coops, hey, <laughs> get in the ring, would you? Um, so yeah, and I trialed quite well, and Steve Folks, you know, um, called me in the office. He said, "Look, we're really happy that we know what you're capable of. Uh, we see that you can hold your own against first graders." So. Hang in there. Um, you're in our you are in our plan to play in the back row. Uh don't be offended that you not you haven't made round one. Uh, I'm gonna pick Sonny Bill and a couple of the other younger kids. And I was I was disappointed <laughs> but I was quite happy at the point at that the time. time. And then Sonny uh Bill. Sonny Bill, what a terrible player <laughs> is. It's awful. Um Yeah, so and then Thursday before round one, uh Glenn Hughes actually tore his hamstring. Um they gave me a call. Said it'd be a captain's run on the Friday, and then you know played against Parramatta. We beat them by forty, and then kept my spot for the rest of the year. So everything was just one thing after the other. You know, yeah. reserve grade grand final. You know, build it. Stepped up to the the first grade squad, and then. Made my debut at 20 years of age.
0: Even, you know, the first year in the reserve grade squad, semi-finals, I mean, that's still a pretty high level of success. Uh, You're getting pretty used to, you know, finals appearances and a level of, you know, success every time you sort of step into a season. And then, obviously, 2004, making first grade in round one, and that season just became, you know, a season you still talk about,
1: you know, the the team that you ran around with, that forward pack. Yeah. Well, I still... I probably didn't appreciate it as much at the time because I was still in awe of the people that were around me Mm. and I couldn't believe that I was in this situation. So to be where we were at the beach and then all of a sudden I'm in a different environment, it was almost like I had to adapt to... Totally different culture. Totally different culture, different people, different mindsets. Um, I had to grow up pretty fast. Mm. Um, I still... And then when i go back to the beach, I'd be just... Same a ride off, right, and then yeah. you know you go back to your old self, who who you probably really are. And uh, it's so, a great
0: educator, it's a great way. That's why I think I think travel is so good for young blokes, young kids, and you know guys or girls to leave that little bubble that you're living because we all grow up in a little community where you know be beach life or where it is to go outside of that, you know, and see how you know how big the world is and experience different cultures. And like you said, from leaving, I mean, rivers a very tight knit community, and and what goes on down there making. You, yeah, you can be led to believe that that's all that exists that's, in the yeah. world. You know? but
1: it's, it's it's the way you describe that is is sort of how rugby league is as well. Yeah, you, right. you believe that uh, you you get stuck in this bubble it's and all you think and that all. yeah that NRL is everything. And as you mentioned, travel, I'll talk, which we'll probably talk about a bit later. You know, later in my career, I went over to England, and I made it made me realise how irrelevant. And her early's or Sydney life. Yeah. And just to mention before, if I didn't play footy, I probably would have been in jail. Yeah. You know, um, I wasn't a bad kid and I had a great upbringing, but as you know, nine times out of 10, if something was going down, I'd be, be amongst it. I'd be amongst it. You know, I was kind of attracted to that little bit of. Um, you know it's not it's not tough behavior or anything, but if there was something there we had that sort of that tribal mentality yeah, a lot of that mates w- too who were you know next yeah you know, shoulder to
0: shoulder oh. to get involved with you. so um, yeah a lot of colorful characters I could see. and, and for a yeah. lot of the, the guys we grew up with, you know it was easy to be led into that. Uh, rega- you know a lot of kids we know, uh, we could see it for days talk about um, talented friends who who uh, got caught up in and, and sort of uh, influenced in in you know things that. Steer, steer them away from, you know, what could have been. Yeah. But, yeah, that's... I don't, you,
1: know. I, you know what? Look, everyone has a choice, you know, and I I don't sort of feel any sympathy for those people that could have been hmm. something. You know, ultimately, at some point, you make a choice, you know, regardless of what sort of upbringing you've had, you hold the key to your own future. Hmm. And by the time you're yeah, 18, 19, 20, I was still making poor decisions, but yeah, I was able to make a decision where I thought, you're going to jail or you can play NRL, yeah. basically. Um
0: becomes pretty black and white.
1: It's black and white, you know, and those old habits, those old familiar patterns that were in our teens mm-hmm. that we were up to came back and bit me on the ass a bit later. But at that point, I thought, you know, this is a career. This is a successful uh, pathway for me to be able to earn some money and get off the eel, <laughs> and um, you know, f- provide for, for for the family, which was was unreal. And you know, playing, winning a grand final in, in my in my first year, it's 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 too hard to explain to people what what it feels like. It's a so I still look back now and think, did it really happen? It seems so long ago, but I still remember running out in the field. Uh, Steve Price got injured in the semi-final, so Steve Folk said, "Look, I'm going to start you in this grand final. We're playing against Brad Fittler. You know who was my idol. I used yeah, to go to the yeah. Sydney Football Stadium and watch the Roosters play because it because of Brad Fittler. Now I'm playing against Fittler in his last his last game in a yeah. premiership, and I still remember lining up That's for a the huge national day to be stepping oh, into. It was crazy and it, the whole year was a, a big stage every game game by game I thought and at the time I'm not sure if you remember I was going to court for um when I got accused for um uh, yeah, yeah. you know for yeah with a with that Christmas party so there was two different challenges I'm, I'm trying to get I away get from point. my from my beach life, where I was in a bit of trouble, and focused on an on an NRL career, which was just kicking off, and my the first impressions that the media or well, the the general public had of me was that I was a thug, yeah. Uh, regardless of how talented I was on the field or whatever I did on the field, when this um, charge came up, that was the focus. And but going back to the grand final, I still remember being um. You know, shoulder to shoulder with my teammates. There was the rain was going from right to left. I was looking up in the crowd, looking for mum and dad, and I couldn't. And I still had that feeling of I can't believe I'm in this moment right now. Within three three years, I'm playing in a premier in a grand final in front of eighty five thousand people, and I don't know a million viewers or whatever it was. Yeah, so um, I don't remember much after the game. We partied for for a good week. <laughs> So
0: yeah, I, 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 uh, I and like I can still see the bond you have with that the members of that team. You'll um, never lose
1: that, Rich. Yeah, that's that's regardless of uh, if you like a person or not, you've shared an experience with them that you'll never lose for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, the six, 16 other guys I played with in that team, we we might not see each other from a year to year basis or week to week or day to day, but we've all. Shared something that no one could ever take away from us. So um, when we have a do de- when we have a reunion, and or if I see those players around, it's like we were still in the dressing room, sitting next sitting next to each other in the locker room.
0: It definitely sounds now, well over a decade removed from that grand final win. You're definitely looking back with a whole different appreciation. Like, like you said, being so young and having it happen so quick, and now going through a career that's really encapsulated everything. You know, you had premiership wins to injury to off-field dramas to playing um, overseas, experience, that, representing both Australia and Samoa. Looking back now, those early days, you, I can really hear in your voice how much appreciation and how grateful you are to have experienced it. And I guess maybe at the time, didn't really know how much it meant or how hard it was to achieve what I you were
1: going through. completely took it for granted. Yeah, Took it for granted, I thought, how good's this? I've won a premiership in my first year. We're going to just win three or four. Yep. We had the team to do it. Sonny Bill was the poster boy. Willie Mason was the, the the bad guy image. You know, we had Willie Tonga who scored 17 tries. So all of a sudden we've got all this profile, and um, I was sort of like the the hanger the hanger on of that sort of <laughs> crew. You know, but that was our crew. Yeah. Um, I wasn't. They got those guys were making rep teams and i just happened to be a part of it and um yeah now looking back i did take it for granted because i just thought it happened again and i didn't realize how much of that nucleus of that team had already had been building towards that premiership for three years before i came in yep. and i seen how hard they had to work to get there whereas we came in in the first year one one we thought i thought that we would continue to win grand finals and um not have to work as hard so that wasn't the case it was just the one grand final in the end
0: yeah yeah looking back on your career you know, there there's off-field drama there's all kinds of mistakes made you said you don't have any regrets about how it all panned out i know it, it all sounds good I, like, when i think about it for myself and, and like my career with, with mixed martial arts and and surfing i do have regrets like i wish i'd have done things differently there's mistakes that i made that I wouldn't change because they, those mistakes taught me a lot but there are things that I'd also do differently as well but looking back with with like I said with a career that's absolutely encapsulated everything w- would you do it all again the same or would you oh. would you change certain things yeah definitely I'll probably take
1: that back I don't have any regrets there's certainly there's a lot of things I do regret yeah um, only because purely because I, I hurt my family um, things that if I if it just affected me, which it did, yeah. then I would say I had no regrets. It just turned me into the person I am. Um, but when it affects your mum and dad and your siblings and your nieces and, nieces and, extended, and family extended family, extended yeah. fam- friends, yeah. that's where it hurts. And that's where you think you believe it's sort of a selfishness and you need to grow up. But for me, I don't – you know, like we're athletes, rich, and I think we think differently to the general public. You have to be to be able to be a to be able to get that level, whatever level. Because if so, if it was that easy to do, everyone would be a professional. Yeah, yeah. So I think that we're a little bit tapped in the head anyway. You know, you want to get punched in the face on a regular basis. I'm running at blokes twice the size of me. It's something within us that makes us different to the to the general public and. Um, you create sort of habits and, and, and behavioral patterns when you're at a younger age, which were hard for me to separate when I became a a professional athlete. So all of a sudden I've, I've been doing this for so many years, um, mimicked behaviors, mimicked, uh, people, uh, around me. And then I have to be a role model. Yeah, yeah, but I I never was able to like it was easy for someone to say Rennie, don't do this. Yeah, okay, I won't do that. I can't change like that. Yeah. my genetic makeup was already done, was well, already, already made patterns, up. It had already that, been made up. Yeah, you know, I, I got done drink driving. Like I knew it was wrong. Yeah, but I had that Maribor mentality. Well, yeah, fuck it, I'm just jumping off, in yeah. the car. I'm yeah, gonna yeah. drive home. I can't get a taxi.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and then I played. I got picked for Australia that year. So that was a, it was a, a blessing and probably a bad thing as well.
0: Well, I know that mentality you just spoke about that fuck it kind of attitude. It, be, it can be great when applied in the right environment and, and either the same mentality like that go hard or go home attitude. And it was, it was great for me in the ocean surfing when the waves got big. You know, just fuck it, just go as hard as you can. Mm. Yeah. Or when it came to training, preparing for a fight, getting there, just don't give a fuck. Just you know, balls to the wall kind of attitude. But take that mentality, you know, to the pub. Or going out partying with your friends or whatever it is, it just leads you into trouble. And it took me a long time to realise you got to separate that, you know, and know when to apply it, or when not to apply it and grow up and mature and, and you know, and like you said, it's it's what gets you to a certain level in your chosen sport, but it's also what can bring on a lot of mistakes and a lot of sort of uh, dramas in your life too, because it it can be very hard to separate that kind of habit of yours, just going oh, fuck it. I'm gonna yeah you know, <laughs> yeah do it, even though you sort of know the decision's wrong or whatever it is, it's um yeah you know it helps you a lot in, in your chosen career but it comes back to bite you in many ways as well. Oh,
1: it bit me on the ass plenty of times. You know, it, it was just I wasn't able to separate it. You know, at certain points I was. You know, I yeah. I wouldn't have been able to achieve what I achieved if I didn't take rugby league serious. You know, I definitely trained hard, but I just made those constant small errors or, or big errors in the end. Mm. So it was funny. It was almost like on a on a three month basis where I'd I'd uh, get in trouble for a misdemeanor. Or I'd miss training because I went out on a Sunday night, and then I'd get in trouble, and I'd be completely sober for three months and and think that I'm all right, and then boom, I go for a drink and I'm in trouble again. And it was like the amount of <laughs> when we when I got sacked from Canterbury. Todd Greenberg was CEO at the time, and he pulled out a file, dead set, about 10 centimetres high. Yellow pages. Yeah. <laughs> An encyclopedia. <laughs> and said, this is all your misdemeanours in eight years at this club. You've had 17 Mondays off. <laughs> Monday, honest. Monday, honest. <laughs> got a doctor's certificate. Mate. And I was like, wow. In eight years, that's a fair few... Well, it's not that bad, really. It's only... What, well, you're crook. I remember just saying that as say you're, you're a crook as a dog. I can vouch for you. I, I, uh, I could tell this story, I haven't told this story, but I'd run out of story, excuses. No a fa- a file. <laughs> <laughs> This is a file on me, so I'm telling this them a the file. file. I'm, this is a file we talk about at vast files. And I'd used every excuse there was, and uh, Dr. Hugh has uh, you know, the diarrhea, uh, I've got a bad, you know, headaches. Yeah. Or I thought, what the fuck I'm going to come up with here? Cut off denim <laughs> Oh So I I thought, you know, I'm going to run with this one. So I rang him up. I said, oh, Huey, I've just found a lump in me balls. <laughs> <laughs> He's going, what? I said, yeah, yeah, I found a lump in me balls. Um, I can't come in today. And uh, he was like, we'll go get it checked out and blah, blah, blah. So that was, that's how far, the, that was the extent of my excuses that I had Checking to make up. That that's I had a lump in me balls, and that's testicular cancer. I'm glad you. Well, don't. Well, I don't want to jinx myself, but I think they're, they're still strapped on there now. So there's. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why you're you're just they scraping the barrel of excuses. Scraping the barrel up one day. That was like the only thing that came into my head was yeah, you found a lump in me ball. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, come in. Let me have a look. Yeah, <laughs> okay, you you cough your starkers. <laughs> 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 oh, but you. Yeah, We obviously, we've we've talked about about the highs that you have experienced in football, obviously representing Australia. And of course, you know, your dad, Danny, from Samara as well, representing both nations. Um, Do you think reaching those highs, they kind of accentuate the lows when, you know, when things aren't going your way? Um, And obviously, we spoke about it earlier, you you know, your battle with, you know, mental health and your struggles with that. Do you think you would have had those deep, dark moments and those struggles had you ever remained a plumber and not experienced those those, those extreme highs of, of your NRL career? Oh, I'm not
1: too sure, Rich. Um, my personality is that I'm always chasing a high. Mm-hmm. And um, having such great success in a short period, that was the high of highs. Mm. So anything less than that was a failure. Now... Something that's problematic to to you might be completely irrelevant to me. Something that you might not be able to sleep a bit thinking about at night, I'd be thinking, "You're tripping mm-hmm. Why That's, that's nothing. Yeah, yeah. So that's where people need to understand that what emotionally, what someone's going through could mean a lot to them. Now, for me, going through such a high uh, successful career. I wanted to chase that high again mm-hmm. and I set the bar too high. I wanted to play for Australia again you know I would just be named captain of Parramatta um, I didn't do a preseason there was there was a lot of things that led into sort of my mental breakdown mm-hmm. um, it started kind of in the preseason where I'd, I wanted to achieve so much I didn't go during the Christmas break I went to Thailand and trained all the way through Christmas was, which was probably detrimental in the end but I wasn't hey, able you, to you keep
0: it shows the, the frame of mind that you. Like you, oh. you you were, had a new lease of life on your footy career like you said after all that had happened both on and off the field you are given a co-captainship at Parramatta yeah. which, was it with Hayne and, uh, yeah, and Tim Manor yeah with Hayne and Tim Manor so, I can understand that enthusiasm, you know, to, to avoid all the distractions of Christmas time at home, you know, yeah. a, and come into that next season fit as a fiddle,
1: you know. Well, I mean, I had a, for me, and I think a lot of people do have this, I had an unhealthy obsession for success. Mm-hmm. But I also had an unhealthy obsession with partying. Yeah. Completely contradicts themselves. I wanted to be the best I could be, but I wanted to be the best partier as well. Yeah. And that was pretty much the story of my life. Anything that I do, I I have to take to an extreme. Yeah. Whatever it don't is. Do it in halves. No, yeah. no. It's do it hard or don't do it at all. Yeah. So that's where the two different balances of life really played a part mm. and, um, I was so obsessed with being successful. I'd just come off a two-year ban for drugs. <clears throat> sat two years out of the game. I didn't get any help through that period because I didn't think there was anything wrong with me. I just thought, you know you were unlucky to have take recreational drugs that was cut with with glenbuterol. So I just that's not normal. You yeah. know why are you taking cocaine in the first place? Why don't you go get help? You've just you've just played for your country, you've you've got a successful career, you're in your sort of late twenties, you've still got another few more years. That's not normal.
0: Yeah.
1: For me that was normal. It was like, Oh yeah, well I'll be right, right." you know, like I've just got to spend two years. So I should have got help then. I should've got help a lot earlier. But having said that, you don't you don't um, you have to be prepared and you have to want to get help. I've always been sent to counsellors and psychologists and, and I'd be, in my head, I'm thinking I'm fooling these people because I'm, I'm getting away with getting back on the field. Yeah. So um, when going back to that year at Parramatta, I was so obsessed with, with, with being great. that, And then once we started to lose you know, and my body started to react differently, I wasn't able to keep up. I'd read forums. There wasn't even social media. Well, there's social media, but it wasn't like it is today. And cool. I'd go into forums and I'd read stuff about myself and, yeah. and I'd be starting to believe this shit. I'm like, fuck, you know, maybe my career's done. But I've put in so much hard work and I'd keep going hard and hard. The harder I tried, the worse I got. Yeah. Harder I tried, the worse I got. Then we're getting copping it in the media because is a prominent club, you know. They've had mm. a lot of success through the 80s. Everyone expects them to do well. And I feel like I've got the weight of this team on my shoulders. Uh, they chose me to be captain. I didn't want to be captain. I said yeah. at the start of the year, I don't want it. I don't blame that. Yeah, but yeah. that's when I want I when want to you add don't yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah when yeah. you when I had the the respect of my peers, I thought I've got to do these guys right. I want to make them proud. Mm. I've always I was I'm not I'm not bad now, but I always cared what people thought. Really bad. Yeah. you know, and that probably started at a young age. Really young, getting pushed into representative or pushed into rugby league. I was forever trying to get
0: live up to someone else's expectations in a way. It's kind of the kind of thing, you know, exactly what
1: your peers, what your parents, you know, dad come from a tough upbringing in Samoa. He he had nothing. Yeah. He moved to New Zealand to get an education and then he moved to Australia to study music and then he met mum. So he had a hard, hard life and he. Would have wanted his kids to be successful so that we didn't have to live the life he did mm. um, so that's where the white noise started you know started started getting louder and louder and i'm not good enough and yeah. letting, which, people down. letting people down um, there was some other factors that come into play and then i'm drinking again yeah. i was drinking hard i was on painkillers because i was in, i had a lot of back pain Mixing that those two together, it's, it's a pretty it's toxic a, it's pretty, cocktail. It's, a, it's a, but I hit it. I didn't. No one knew. Yeah, I didn't miss a training session. I'd still rock up, even if I was, yeah, even if I drank for three days and falling apart and completely yeah. having a mental breakdown. I'd still turn up. So no one knew that I what, what I was battling, and this might sound so irrelevant or so to to someone listening, but. That's my world. Yeah, that's yeah. all I knew. Rugby league is all I know. That's what I want to... That, that's what drove me. That's what paid my bills. That's who people knew me as. They fun. didn't know me as Rennie the plumber. It's Rennie the footballer. Yeah. So when you're the captain and you're the face of a team that's losing, I took that on board. A burden can be a burden. Yeah. And like I said, looking back on it now, I'm thinking, shit, it's so... I can't believe you got caught up in that, yeah. that bubble of, that was that's the world. Yeah. But at the time, you don't realize that you've got your blinkers on. You see what's in front of you. You don't see what's going on around you. And it makes you know,
0: easy to sort of ignore the signs too of of really where you're at and maybe the help you should be getting or whatnot because you know, this is just what I've chosen to do and just yeah. you know, sort of suck it up and get on with it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And on top of that, halfway through the year, I had another year on my contract. You know, 12 players were announced in the papers that they were no longer needed for the following year. Yeah. And I was one of them. Ricky Stewart called me into his office and said, look, I've given you the respect you deserve, but we're going to move in a different direction next year, so we're going to let you go from the last year of your contract. Yeah. And by that stage, I thought, yeah, that's probably the best thing for me. But when it became public that 12 players were getting, they were getting rid of, and I was, again, the face of the 12 players yeah. that were getting booted, that hit me again. So yeah. I, I, I'm just getting snowed in with all this negative shit yeah. that I think's impossible to get out of. And it was f- went on for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. It went on for months.
0: Coupled with, you know, you said you're drinking, painkillers, all that little thing. Yeah. Like, you know, it throws your little chemical balance, which maybe normally you know not having all that stuff in you, you could sort of deal with make it a bit a better, better you know make and, and, better and keep, keep a bit more clarity about it well but to throw the, yeah. all that negative attention into someone yeah it's already like a little bit murky as it is you can take things out of context well, pretty easily
1: well that was my therapy alcohol yeah that's yeah. where i was happy that's where yeah. i was get away from it well that's where i felt like that was home for me yeah going to get on the piss and hanging out with my mates and just that was like I can live a normal life for about six hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. for 10, 12, 14 hours or a couple of days, that was my little escape from life. And then – but it just was was the perfect – it was the perfect storm which was um, ultimately led to me being so depressed and so down. I I don't want to say – I was probably mentally... I was so mentally stressed. Yeah. I was unhappy, but I was so mentally stressed that I was physically and emotionally in so much pain for so long that I thought when I made that decision, I was I was drinking alcohol at the time, but... It was repeating in my head for weeks and weeks on end yeah, yeah. and obviously the alcohol probably gave me a little bit, cu- bit of courage and i thought i'm gonna go through with this i've, I've had enough you know yeah. i don't want to be here anymore uh, i don't want to no. i felt a burden on everyone you know and 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 the extent of it I'm was you know, i was just done i was so done i thought I've, I've achieved a lot of things in my life i'm happy with where i'm at um i'm sick of being in pain I'm sick of hiding it from people that I'm just, I'm out of here. Oh, yeah. I'm over it. Yeah,
0: I mean, it, it's pretty scary to think. I mean, I knew at the time you were having some troubles and I and, you know, sort of heard of, of the night that you're you're referring to here. Obviously, um, as of late, it's gotten a whole new lease of life and I know Willie Tong came out and spoke about it pretty publicly and um, the mainstream media got hold of it. But being one that's never shied away from your struggles with mental illness, um and actually flip that and put your profile and your struggles to good use and now helping out you know, with the Rise Foundation with our good friend Ben Higgs, going out and trying to create more awareness about mental health and suicide prevention as well as you know, mentoring and trying to help out other young players coming through in the NRL. Um, it's pretty crazy to, to hear how, how dark it got. Yeah, and how fortunate we are. Like I said in the opening intro of this interview, that I'm lucky enough to be sitting across the street, and, and I really meant that in many ways. And, and obviously, processing again, you know, what what happened on that night and, and how different it could have been, uh, mate. Very fortunate to have you here and have you using your story in such a positive light now, mate. So it's uh, it's good here because especially outside of footy, our community down at Maroobah, um has had a few friends. Uh, lose their battle with mental illness, um, so it's really an area that needs as much awareness and attention uh, as it can get, and not just spoken about, but needs to be you know feet on the ground, providing um, avenues for people to seek help and, and speak about
1: it, and not you know really shake that tag of something that you know, isn't spoken about, especially between young men. Well, especially where we grew up. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't show show any signs of weakness. Yeah. You'd be flushed out the back straight away if you didn't jump into a fight or we, we've always had this macho sort of kill or be killed sort of attitude so, yeah, it there. was
0: an absolutely uh testosterone charged environment yeah, to grow I up mean, in we
1: we it was nothing to do with you know um guns or weapons or anything mm. like that it was like if, was, if we're going to punch on we're going to punch on yeah so you you you're trying to take this macho sort of uh image into a environment where you're struggling with Mm. you've automatically feel feel emasculated is that the word yeah yeah if you yeah if you're feeling unhappy or depressed or down or whatever so
0: yeah like you said it's it's so it's a stereotypical thing that like you know it's perceived to be weak to say you know i'm I'm struggling with Things that, you know, you might say to someone, they, like you said earlier, they might say, how are you even getting down to that? I mean, because for me, always looking up to you when growing up and from being an outside looking in, you're always someone was very talented at whatever you did. You know, you're a funny, good-looking rooster who has, you know, amazing love from your, your family, abundance of mates. To hear that you somehow found yourself in a place where you thought the best choice would be to end it. I mean, it's crazy. Like to, like I said, just for an outside looking in going, you've got everything, you know, a young bloke could ever ask for, you know, yeah. um, to, to, to say it can affect you in, in that light. You know, it can affect anyone. And, and, and it's great that you're standing up and saying that it, it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to, you know, come out and, and speak about these kind of things. It, it's massive. And hopefully, especially for young athletes too, because of that pressure they put on themselves to, mm. you know, to their success. And um, it's crazy and the stats on the stats on you know young males in particular it's crazy it's crazy it's a leading killer is it not yeah yeah
1: between 15 and 44 year olds but i think it was for me it was hard to live up to that persona and it wasn't just a when i look back on it now and look at the patterns of my life this thing was building from our teens you know what i mean when i say persona You've kind of gave me a rap there. So I, I've tried to be that person consistently throughout my life and I don't want to be anything less or anything more. Yeah. So when you're trying to trying to live up to your reputation and you no longer can, that's where things start to go, oh, shit, what am I going to do now?
0: And that becomes your identity pretty
1: much. Like you, this of, is your well, like, that's, this that, unbreakable figure. 100%. That, yeah. you know? yeah. you know? And everyone, everyone has a breaking point and mine was – circle it around rugby league in that environment and you know after the incident it was it got a lot of press and um you kind of got an obligation to to speak out and i the scariest part for me was two weeks after for two weeks after the incident i was fully prepared to go through with it that was that was like right you're going to do this kind of thing and after the incident. After the incident. First two con- weeks, I was committed. like, yeah, I'm going to do this for sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Leedon came to one of my therapy sessions with a psychiatrist, my brother. So, and things started to fall into place. So I got through, I went to, I was an outpatient at St. John of God in Concord. So I was going through um, group therapy on a regular basis, which was the best thing for me. Mm-hmm. That was unbelievable. Um, to sit in a room with, with eight other people that were going through similar situations, but from totally different backgrounds, kind of made me feel a little bit ungrateful for, for, for sitting in the, that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, being medicated obviously, and being sober, completely sober for 12 yeah. months. I said no beers, nothing. Um, and that's why I really got behind, uh, suicide prevention Australia. We did the PPP, SPA, uh, um, that's treadmill. the 24-hour treadmill run, so I had that obligation. But in the last five years, it's becoming a little bit um, overwhelming. Yeah. When people trying to come to me for mental health, I've had to separate myself a little bit. I did work at NRL for a program called State of Mind, where I sh- which I was the the project officer for um, New South Wales in Victoria. And some days I'd ring up my boss, and and she'd always say, look if you're ever feeling overwhelmed just have a day off and yeah. i would because i was getting direct i get direct messages all the time from yeah. random people um on, on instagram on facebook and if i don't reply to these people i feel like if they do something to themselves gonna, then yeah, then I, that, i'm sure. gonna have to take that burden yeah so it's
0: mate i can only imagine what that would feel like yeah you know, i mean yeah, it's quite a responsibility to be given.
1: Yeah, so I've I've had to separate myself from a lot of charity events, um, and um, you know, I do talk to at a lot of schools and stuff like that. The last three years, I've been all over the world, so yeah. it's kind of um, I haven't been around it as much. But as soon as I landed back in Australia five weeks ago, it was like, boom! Can you do this? Can you do Try this? Can you do it. this? Can you do this? I'm like, hang on a minute. And then Willie bringing it up on on the podcast with exactly. Rob Whitaker, um kind of brought it all up again. Yeah. And uh which it's I'm completely fine with. But i was just at this point in my life I don't wanna really want to be yeah. I didn't want it to be brought up again. But having said that, it's public knowledge so I can't be upset about it. Yeah. But I just gotta to learn to separate myself from that environment of being this positive, yeah, everything's great f um and go out and preach to people yeah. when my, at the moment, I'm eating junk food, I'm sitting on the couch, I'm just en- enjoying retired life. Yeah, yeah. So you have to be in a in a pretty focused mindset to be going out and preaching mental health, yeah. which, but I'm all for it. I think it's fantastic that people are out there going, spreading the word. I'm. Going out to country New South Wales for like nine days in two weeks to speak to different communities. That's what I get a real kick out of going out to those country areas where that where they don't have as much um, resources.
0: Resources,
1: guess, resources yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of farmers that are struggling out there. You so want to see, you, you know, it's crazy how prevalent is they out, out in the farming yeah, community. And yeah, stuff. yeah. You see what's happening. You hear what's happening out there because we're city boys. We yeah. we don't know what's. You go, I go out in the country. I feel yeah, like I'm in a I'm in a different, different yeah. world. Yeah, complete.
0: Mate, I was out there not long ago. I of my Eddie Price out of Orange, and I was running around my iPhone filming cows, and oh, this is crazy! And he looking at me like I'm an absolute idiot. You know what <laughs> I mean? Because it's a whole new world. I'm filming a bloody gum tree thing that's fucking wild. <laughs> but the life they live out there, it's crazy. You know? they're yeah. totally dependent on on Mother Nature and weather and rain and drought and too much rain and crops not working and you know cattle dying. It's it's um
1: it's crazy. It's know? kind of that's and, perspective too, like. And when they, they got were them, absolutely no resources he, to reach yeah.
0: out to and say, hey, I'm struggling, yeah. you know, I'll talk to. Because I think that macho mentality is is even more um, prevalent out there too, you know. It, it, it,
1: just, was... it just goes to show where depression can be in so many different groups. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be with an athlete or it has, it's it's in everyday life, you absolutely. know. The, it could be the the carpenter that's hasn't been paid from the building company, you know, that's struggling to pay his workers yeah, and... Yeah and the stress that they go through on a nightly every night not being able to sleep you know there's everything sort of has every case yeah. is sort of um it doesn't matter what you're doing it, what i'm trying to say it it doesn't
0: doesn't fit uh, like you know a uh, uh, one kind of yeah it doesn't discriminate one look it does of, not discriminate
1: yeah. mental health uh, it comes in many different forms absolutely
0: well, you 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 spoke about there too traveling the world, playing over in England and uh, for Toronto as well. What was that experience like Like leaving, like you said when you were playing in Sydney and playing for Sydney teams in the NRL, you had a totally different outlook on the game and then when you went overseas and played it sort of broadened your horizons and made you realize that the, the bubble of the NRL here in, in Australia is not the end all and be all, it was it yeah, what was the experience like playing with people from all around the world in a different country. Um, and, yeah, was the game the same? Was it faster, slower, tougher, playing with
1: people from all different walks of life? You're glad you made that choice to go abroad? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was. It was the way it came about. It was March uh march 2015 or so i was into sort of my first year of retirement i was still keen to play but i just didn't have a club at that time and i got a phone call to go over to the uk and i, was, I thought stuff it let's just, just after saving a few lives down at river beach for <laughs> ramic lifeguards yeah <laughs> no, that was a few <laughs> few years earlier but um in your speedos <laughs> in me dozzies <laughs> But uh, yeah, I got on a plane, I got over there and I've always been, I thought I'd never leave Sydney ever. Yeah. There's no way I would ever play overseas and I probably, it was probably the best decision I ever made. Um, unfortunately, your best best years are behind you physically and the first thing and the English they hate, the palms hate that the, the Australians come over and we get yeah. The majority of the, the money. Yeah yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And what they don't realise is that you've you signed a player that's over the hill, so their first impressions of you is fuck he missed three tackles on the weekend and he's train I'm smacking him in training. Why is he getting paid this yeah, much yeah. and blah blah blah? So I, I get it. So I can get it could be a bit of a, a rough introduction almost. Yeah, yeah there, but are. and I there's one thing you do there was one rule that I told most of the Australian boys when you go over there, don't be that nrl player that knows the game yeah just come over and just fit in yeah because they'll easily they'll turn on you in a second you know they'll just be like oh this aussie boat is coming over telling me how to play yeah taking our money and now you want to teach me how to play so i i sat back and i've got a lot of great english mates like i think they're hilarious um i still keep in contact with them to this day so i did two years over there um one of the teams I played for, we, we had a bit of success and we got promoted to Super League. So being part of that was, was a, an achievement in itself and I I took a lot of pride in sort of that where it was a small village that I was playing for, a lot of lower class people that are struggling and then to see their team get promoted to Super yeah. League was, was a, a bit of a highlight. Yeah, yeah, And then I was well and truly... Um, retired I'd, I'd been 16 months out of the game and then got a phone call from my old coach saying will you come over and help out this Canadian side and I thought I've just had my fight I'm reasonably reasonably good nick but I haven't touched a footy I'm on a flight three weeks after my fight I'm in a wrestle session two days after that <laughs> two days later I'm, I'm uh, I've got my boots back on playing on a cow paddock in the middle of well the end of winter in the UK playing for a Canadian team. So it was, <laughs> that's the story of my life,
0: pretty much. Well, I remember. I mean, you are living in North Maribu at the time with Bryce and I uh, came down It's I was always Because, mate, just got on a plane to go to Toronto to play footy. And I was like, yeah,
1: you, you know, he just was in the ring two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, I'm a bit of a free spirit and just go with the flow, you know. I, I, I think just, it's the I best think... way
0: to be, especially when you've come from the majority of your career being so, you know, having such tunnel vision on a goal and being so driven you know, towards that to sort of, you know, just let things settle and just see where things take themselves and take opportunities when they pop up and, and, and see what happens. I mean, I guess that might have been the case or may not have been the case, but I know you've always been a fan of boxing. Uh, you've always loved training and hitting the pads and um, and obviously post-football, that competitive edge was still there because, you know, you, you chose to, to jump in the ring and have a professional boxing fight, which, you know, is a big step in itself. I mean, a, a lot of mates of mine... Um, I've talked about it for years, and, and, and you know, skinny, <laughs> but mate, um, no, it's a bigger compliment to jump in the ring and take on uh, uh, in front of a crowd, in a, in another professional box and dedicate you know six months, four months, what it was to prepare for that
1: night. Um, what was that experience like? Uh, for, uh, oh, mate, it's it's hard to explain, but as you, well, we travel to Thailand, so I've always loved my. Boxing. Yeah, combat sports and combat gym, sports, yeah. you know, I've always been a huge fan. Dave Tour. David. To <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got a left talk like him, but um look, it was I just retired and I got approached by Billy Hussein who, who most people know as one of the yeah. premier boxing trainers in the strongest in, gyms in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And, and a great guy. And he threw the challenge out to me. He's like, "Do you want to have a fight?" And I thought, "This is what I've been threatening to do for so long." I want that guy that said they'd get in the ring, but yeah, I'll do, it. do I have the balls to actually do the walk? And I just we sat in a cafe in uh, Brighton, and I said, I shook his hand. I said, "Let's do it." And we went into this that camp, and I was I was pretty overweight at the time, and the first week was horrendous, and he pushed me like. He didn't treat me like a footy player. He goes, you want to do this, I'm treating you like a boxer. So this is eight weeks out for the fight. I'm constantly training around bo- boxers. They're obviously watching what I my capabilities are. People have got their phones out while we're sparring. It was just a whole other, I thought, what have I got myself into? Yeah, the anxiety yeah. levels went through the roof, you know, and, it, and I'm the only one in there. So... You've got the team around you, obviously, but you know Billy was unreal you know the eight weeks was was a hard, hard slog um the easiest part was was the fight night yeah you know i I felt really prepared uh everything went out the window, everything <laughs> that Billy taught me uh, that you know you know I wasn't fighting the most. Talented person, but he was similar in age and he Mate, was a bit I'll of a journeyman. He,
0: he knew what he was doing there. He was comfortable in there. Like, that was one thing that stood out straight away. He, he was relaxed. He's experienced. He'd been in there plenty of times. When he know? didn't
1: sit on the stool after the first round, yeah. I thought, holy shit, I'm he in trouble. just tell why he
0: was moving. You, know? he, you yeah. were out boxing him, but he was comfortable. Like, he wasn't, yeah. he was you know, moving with the punches. You could, you, he, he was having a smile in there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, he was relaxed. And he, that is the hardest thing to find inside the ring or the cage, is that level of comfort. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, after fighting professionally for over 10 years, I'm, that's, you know, I feel, st- I still find the hardest is to just get that level yeah. of and, and that guy had it, you know what I mean? So. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I, I actually sparred him about six weeks earlier mm-hmm. and he drowned me in the ring. He'd yeah. land on me. And so I had that in the back of my head and I thought, geez, even though we sparred, you know, I got in for fitness, kind of in the in six weeks ago. What if he leans on me? What if yeah. I blow out? And all, all this all doubt. Experience. It's, and it's, it's the cage, same, Yeah, and that creeps into your
0: into your thought process, <laughs> yeah.
1: and especially when he stood didn't sit on the stool after the first round, and I was blowing. Billy yeah. said, "How are you feeling?" I said, "I'm fucked. Yeah, I'm blowing." He goes, "Just usually jab in the second round," and he hit me low a couple of times, and then that gave me a good fifteen twenty second break. I milked yeah. it a little bit, and then. <laughs> I went through little spurts of, like, trying to unload on him and then blow myself out. And then that experience in itself, like, I, I've i got so much respect for fighters and what they go through. I, I kind of, like, can't understand why they put them through, themselves through that. I had so many sleepless nights before that. And I'm sure if you've had one fight or a 100 fights, you still go through the same sort of emotion. Not that I... Not that I was fighting on television or anything, but I was headlining a card as yeah, well. Yeah. So I wasn't like I would just sneak in in an undercard, get the fight done. You know, I was the main event. Um, yeah, it was. There was a lot of anxiety, a lot of mental stress. But I wanted to see what I was made of, and I can look back now and say I, I made the walk. You know, yeah. I, I challenged myself and seen what, see how much heart you really had inside. Yeah. You know, it's easy to be have a reputation but if you can back it up and go out there and do something and put yourself in an uncomfortable environment um it's something i'm proud of and yeah. you know and i don't think i'll do it again purely because the training is just too hard <laughs> um but yeah i had a lot of fun if i was i'd love to be able to go back to that fight night and put into practice well well display what we put into practice in a, and in learn a, and be, take it a little bit slower and everything like that but yeah i
0: mean i'm still saying that you know i wish i'd put into practice what i do in my training camp and like yeah. you said when the door yeah. closes and the, and the bell goes sometimes it all goes out the window but um yeah it, it is a wild sport and like you said it's uh yeah sometimes you question why you're making that walk mm. but it is like you, you sound like you're talking about with fond fond memories mate so it is uh oh, it awesome. can be it can be very addictive
1: well, you know, I have thought about it and I'm going going again because I want to again appreciate the night. I probably yeah. took it a little bit for granted because I was so hyped and and with anxiety and mental stress that I didn't really soak take, so it, all take it all in. You know, even the dressing room before. <laughs> so before the fight, I've got ten of the boys in there, but not our Maruba boys. It's yeah. like all the footy boys, yeah. And I'm I'm sitting there getting my hands wrapped, trying to focus, I'm listening to music, and I've got eight guys in the room cracking jokes. And I'm thick. just like, please get out, but I, I'm not that type of person that's sort of, yeah. I don't want to be rude, these people are in here for me. And I'm getting my hands wrapped and I look at my music and someone was hotspotting me, taking my, using my credit. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking Willie Tonga. <laughs> He's sitting in the corner. I was like, who's hotspotting me? <laughs> And he's like, oh, sorry, bro, it's me. I'm like, are you serious? I'm about to have a fight. Will you take it? Get off my fucking <laughs> internet. F- 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 songs I want to get through, mate. Don't- oh, he's hot spotting <laughs> while I'm getting my hands around. And I was t- that- so that took the edge off a little bit. And I had to leave the dressing room, actually. I went out and shadow boxed out um, in a small area on my own because the room was just too much. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, so that was one thing that I wanted to really have a, a moment with Billy and uh, his brother before the fight. But we had that moment after the fight. We sat there and sat in the, sh- in the sheds for, for a good hour after and we spoke about everything. Do, and you,
0: do you credit um, any of the the River Surf Club days in the gym? <laughs> yeah. Did you get our, bo- our box by Norm? Was it Peter Bordy? <laughs> <laughs> Noxy.
1: <laughs> Noxy, wasn't Trent Noxy? Noxy, so uh, yeah, Trent Noxy. No, Christian Knox. He Because he was, for the people that don't know, he was a bit of an older boy and um, he tried to come at me at the surf club. Yeah. <laughs> on the grass area and I picked him up and dumped oh, him on his head and I embarrassed him in front of everyone so that, when we did spar in that gym you're talking about you punched crap out of me <laughs> and that's why I thought like, I'm not doing this for a while you the
0: shit out of each other in that gym it was pretty funny and that patch of grass that you're talking about I think you dacked me about uh, 90 times in one summer <laughs> that
1: dog Ned bit uh, plenty of people that little cat that blue cat well it wasn't little there was a cattle dog that bit Dick's dog oh, it was a pain in the ass that thing it was good times well mate
0: thank you for uh, for letting uh, us deep dive in a in a few different topics, mate. Um talk a oh, bit about good, career and, and what's what's going on now. It's unreal to see you put your profile to so many positive causes. Being very open about, you know, your struggles with certain things. Like we, like you said, it's going be uh, it can be very I don't know, like you said we we come from a uh, an environment where it's hard for men to talk about. That is slowly changing thanks to guys like yourself which I think many people are going to be, you know, very grateful in times to come. So, Renny Matua, thanks for uh, sitting down, and having a chat, mate. Um, hope we can do it again and hear about this next chapter. I know you're going to have some more exciting things coming up, mate. Whether it be boxing or, or travelling or whatever it may you may be doing in the future, mate. So,
1: looking forward to getting you back in on the files, mate. And yeah, next next time we can get right in the rabbit, dive down the rabbit hole about AIs and ancient oh, yeah. civilizations and. Go full Joe Rogan. So look, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Rich. It's great what you're doing here, mate, and really proud of you too. So, Fast files, look out for it, and hopefully I'll get back on you soon. Fast files.